Last November, Sally and I went to Dallas, Texas to the Legacy Coalition Grandparenting Matters Convention. There were 900 of us that were there. And it is the first time I realized the powerful impact that grandparents have. There are 30 million grandparents in the United States. And if there's ever a time for grandparents to be imparting wisdom and knowledge and sharing their lives with grandchildren, it is now. Now, if you say, well, I'm not a grandparent, so I can tune out for the next 30 or 40 minutes. Well, you're wrong, so please stay tuned, because there's points here that are applicable to all of our lives. And I'm so grateful. I really am grateful. When I looked out over at VBS and, and saw some of you in the parking lot, some of you doing games, some of you teaching and, and serving, what an example. What an example to a younger generation of people who are willing to invest their lives into the lives of others. And so the challenge that I want to leave today is that we be very intentional about our purpose and practices as we seek to mentor those who are younger than we are, especially whether they be chronological or those that be younger in the faith. So we're going to be looking at two passages today. There's going to be God's mandate and our mandate. And God's mandate is found in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And our mandate is going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to that passage. It's Pew Bibles, page 175. And so I thought to myself, well, what is a mandate? We hear that word often. A mandate is simply an authoritative command or instruction. And so last year, I began a study on my own of the book of Deuteronomy. And it had proved to be an absolutely priceless, priceless study. And when I looked at Deuteronomy 4, 9, that verse just jumped off the pages to me. It says this, Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. God's mandate is what? Make known God's truth to our sons and grandsons. And when you look at chapter 4 and you go back to verses 13 and, and back to verse 11, he's giving you the reason of why he's saying that this needs to be done. It is so easy to forget the things that God has done for us. We get busy by the cares and concerns of our life that we just kind of lose track. So easy to do, isn't it? His reasoning is, I've demonstrated my power to you. In fact, he says, I was at Mount Horeb and you, you heard the rumblings, you saw the smoke, you saw the fire. I demonstrated to you my purpose. I took you out of Egypt. You are my own possession. You are my children. You are uniquely mine. I've demonstrated my position to you in verse 24. He says, I am a jealous God. I want no other gods before me. Now, when we think of jealousy, we think of something wrong, but that's not the case here. It's the concept that it's, it's a, a protective love as a parent would have for a child. We're jealous for our children. We want only their best. 
And when we see all that God has done for us, when the children of Israel saw all that God had done for them, he then says what? Guard yourself. Guard yourself. Lest you forget what your eyes have seen and what you have seen and remember. So I came back to myself and said, okay, that's good. Why? Because we all have God moments in our life. You know what they are. There are times you've been in position that you said, only God could have come up. Only God showed up and this is what happened. Only if God wouldn't have been here, I don't know what I would have done. We all have those God moments. Do you remember them? Have you lost your perspective about them? Well, yeah, everybody's got those. No, but they're special to you. You see, is the Lord first and foremost supreme? It's because the Lord God did this for me. And I want to tell my son and my grandson that this was a God moment. Why? Because it is so easy to let idols crowd into our lives. There's a wonderful little book. It's, it's worth every page. It's Shane Eidelman's book called God's at War. It talks about the idols that war in our hearts and souls between the Lord supreme and everything else in our life. And I love one statement he says, God is not the chairman of the board. He is the board. That's a great statement. But how often is it that we put the Lord as the priority of our life? Well, I'm a Christian. Well, uh, uh, that's not the point. The point is, does he, are you showing that to your sons and your grandsons. It is interesting that one of the things that was marked about the children of Israel was that they were to be distinctive from all the nations around them. They were not to be close in any relationships or any of their practices, to be distinctive. And isn't it interesting that it's so easy to lose our passion to be distinctive as children of God? You know, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. Why? Because the world's passing away. And yet how easy it is for us to sacrifice for the things of the world. And we lose our passion for Christ. So he says we're to guard ourselves. And he said in this verse in Deuteronomy, we're also to guide the youth. If there's ever a day and a time when we need to be guiding the next generations, it's now. I love what Tony Evans said. He said, I'm not worried about the next generation. I'm worried about the generation after that and the generation after that and the one after that one. I thought, wow, that's true. Are we guiding and shaping and molding the hearts and the minds of generations to come. Well, I, I read a Bible story once in a while to my grandkids, or, or my kids know that we're Christians. No, no, I mean, more intentional about that. If you have the Pew Bible, turn over to page 178, because there you're going to see what our mandate is in relationship to what God has told us to be doing. 
how we are to be living our life before others and to the children that we are to be responsible for, our sons and grandsons. And what he does, he gives seven different responsibilities that we are to have. First one is in verse 4. I don't think they're building blocks. I think they're all elements of a, of a continuum, that, a circle, you might say. But the first one is this. You all know verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is our God. The Lord is one. Isn't it interesting that this concept of here right here is far more than just here? It's the concept of intensive, intensive hearing. It's the concept of Elijah in the cave. You know, the earthquake came and God's voice wasn't in the earthquake. There's the fire and all of that that you remember in 1 Kings 19. But then it says, the sound of a gentle blowing. You see, when God wants to get your attention, he doesn't yell. Sound of a gentle blowing. You cannot share what you have not heard. So do we listen continually? Are we listening continuously to the voice of God? What he is saying, how we are responding. The second one is that we are to love fervently. Verses five and six. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these things which I am commanding you this day shall be on your heart. The heart, what? The being, the, the core of who you are, the soul, your feeling, the mind, your thinking, the strength you're doing, the totality of who you are as a person. This is to be how we are to be loving our Lord fervently. This shall be on our heart, what we're meditating on, what we're thinking about, what we're showing, what we're sharing, what we're telling. I, I was just with a group of people Friday, and, and unbeknownst to me, this, this gentleman just started sharing about the truth about what his grandfather taught him when he was a, a young kid. I, I was just dumbstruck. I didn't say anything to him. He said, you know, I remember when my grandfather, I thought, Wow. And the thing that he remembered, he'd sit down by the radio and they'd listen to J. Vernon McGee, you know, through the Bible radio. And he said, the second thing I remember of my grandfather, he loved English leather. He really loved English leather. Yeah. But he said, I remember those things about my grandfather. Wow. Stamped on our being shall be in our heart. You see, my friends, we show who we are by our actions and our reactions, how we think, what we do. Do our kids see that? Verses seven to nine, you should teach diligently. Those teachable moments. Teach diligently to your sons. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, frontlets on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house, on your gates. All of us cherish those teachable moments when they come. Do we capitalize? Do we capture them? When our children ask those profound questions about God when you're stuck in traffic on I-75, right? 
do we capture them so that we see their heart is very moldable and they're wanting to learn? Do we capture them? Teach diligently, always molding, molding their hearts. Can I tell you something? You can't teach what you don't possess. You can't teach what you don't possess. Are you learning from God's word? Not just reading, learning, learning. What is it that you've learned this week, this, maybe this month that you hadn't thought about for a long time or needed to refresh your course on? Are we learning? Are we good students learning the truths of God's word? Not just hearing, but applying. And he says here, we write them on the doorpost, a living demonstration of what that truth, how it has impacted our family, who we are, what we are about, so that others will know this is a distinctive family that serves and loves Jesus Christ. The next one, he says, we are to fear greatly. It is interesting how many times, 13 times in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses says, remember, 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 don't forget. Don't forget the truths that God has taught you. Remember that he is the one who brought you out of Egypt. He is the one that you are to worship only. And it is interesting in this passage, as you go to four and five and six, it talks about the the whole danger that they will look around and be captured by the other gods that are around them rather than the Lord God himself. Remember, live in fear and awe. Verse 12, watch yourself lest you forget the Lord who brought you up from the land. You shall fear only the Lord your God. Worship him and swear by his name. I, 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 a, great, a great concern I have is that the church, the American church especially, is losing a sense of the fear, the awe and the honor of Almighty God. Now is the time, my friends, to have that holy awe of God, that holy respect for God. And now is the time that we need to be instilling that into the generations that are following. Hmm. Verse 14, you shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. Fifth thing he says that we are to do, we are to obey completely, completely. Isn't it interesting? Half-hearted obedience isn't obedience. It's, uh, I, I, the thing that bothers me is, is you talk about the people, about commands of God's word, and they're, they're thinking, well, those, you know, those are nice suggestions. Really? Well, no, they're not suggestions to be thought about. They're commands to be obeyed. And yet we will do everything and in every way possible to find our way around that, right? We'll compromise that standard. We'll say that it's not really that important. It's not, well, that's not really what the Lord meant. 
Well, if he didn't mean it, why would he put it in his word and command us to obey that? It's interesting, it says here diligently. It's the, the concept of sharpen. It's an intensive form. It means that you are to intensely sharpen your focus and commitment to the Lord God and Him only in our obedience. Not, well, when I feel like it or, well, whenever it's convenient. No. Consistent obedience. Uh, I, I, love, I love what Jerry Bridges used to say. He said, I am not convinced that the Christian life is a matter of victory or defeat as much as it is about obedience versus disobedience. That's a great statement. Great statement. How do we expect God's blessing if we don't have wholehearted obedience? He says, diligently keep, do what is right, verse 17 and 18. That's not passive. You are to keep, you are to do. That's not optional. He is commanding the people, this is what they are supposed to do. So our mandate, listen continually. Love fervently. Teach diligently. Fear greatly. Obey completely. Verse 20 to 23, remember frequently. You know as well as I do that the Hebrew way of passing down truth many times was by storytelling. What stories do you have to tell to the next generation? What stories are going to be ingrained in their heart and their soul and their mind when they say, God did this for us? It was only he, he was the only one who could have done this. He did this for us. Well, let me ask you this. How long has it been since you've thought about your own personal salvation? How long has it been since you thought about your own testimony of what Christ has done for you? How long has it been since the people have heard what you have said about what God has done in your conversations? Hmm. I, I, I just was struck. A, a lady, uh, I answered the phone call this week from a lady and uh, she lived in the Midwest and she was having a difficult time and she was asking me some questions and I just kind of shared with her some truths about my life and all and she got very quiet and I said, hello? <laughs> I didn't know she had hung up or what. I thought, well, that didn't work too well. Uh, but she said, I said, uh, are you there? She goes, yes, I am. I said, oh, okay. She said, you've given me a perspective that I've never thought about. And I was just simply telling her what God had done. That's what people are looking for. Just telling them what God has done in your life. And, and she, she walked away, or she hung up, she said, thank you so much, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Perfect for this day. My friends, there's no accidents in God's timing. It's always perfect, always perfect. The last one is this. 
instruct wisely. So the Lord commanded us, to, verse 24, to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always and for our survival as it is today. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all this commandments before the Lord our God, just as he commanded us. Instruct wisely for our good, for future generations. Not a matter of hammering it down their throat till they throw it back up, but instructing wisely. Lord God, give me wisdom to know how I should handle this situation, to know what I should say, to know when to listen, to know when to speak, to know when to share, to know when to be silent. Lord, I want to instruct wisely. You may be sitting here and saying, well, praise God, I'm off the hook. I don't have any grandkids. No, you may not biologically, but my friends, there are grandkids in this congregation that are looking to you as a spiritual leader. Looking to give up their t- your time, the ability to teach them your wisdom, the desire to tell them of your testimony about what God has done. I challenge you to find that younger family. The hub is coming starting next month. Great intergenerational mentoring. Go. Sit at a table. Share. Learn. Find, find a young man at that table uh, and take him out for a cup of coffee. You women, there's a genuine wisdom. Find that younger mother who's desperately needing some insight and wisdom. Take her out for a cup of coffee. Kevin Cuthbertson and I have been meeting regularly for the last several months of how do we make it an organic thing so that there's that intergenerational love and teaching in our congregation for those that desperately need it. You say, oh, I'm too old for that stuff, man. Oh, really? I remember when we moved to California, we a little red-headed five-foot Irish lady walked up to my wife, Ruth, and said to her, God told me she wanted me to be a grandmother of your children. You got a problem with that? Um, guess not. <laughs> nope. I never, I never saw this lady before. But Grandma Lucy and Grandpa Stan had no children. But if I mentioned their name today, my children would tear up because they were like surrogate grandparents to my kids. Grandma Lucy, she knew nothing about buying kids clothes. She thought you bought a size two because the kid was two years old. You know, and they never fit. We always took them back. But it was the thought that counted. They, she, they poured their life into my kids. I'd love for you to take your calendars and mark September 15th, Saturday. Because we have been working for the past several months, Sally and I have been working with Johnson Ferry Baptist Church. 
And we are hosting a seminar called Grandparenting Matters right there, September 15th from 9 to 3. Larry Fowler, the founder of the Legacy Coalition, is going to be our speaker. He's coming from California. And there he is challenging us to move from vision to commitment in mentoring the next generations to follow. You can go on our website, church website, apostle.org, and grandparenting matters, and register. Next week, there's going to be postcards. There's going to be posters. And we are praying for at least 400 people to show up. People who have a passion for the next generations to follow. To turn that vision into commitment. Why? Why is it so important? Well, God has given us his mandate. Now we must fulfill ours. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bring people across our paths. And as you do, oh God, may we tell them the stories of what only you have done. Because only you were able to do it. And may their lives be so impacted that the seeds are planted, that this next generation will be strong, strong. And the generations to follow will be strong so that the cause of Christ will continue to go forward with leaps and bounds. Lord, you've given us your mandate. May we be faithful in fulfilling ours. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Jeremy.